Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome back to Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network. I am your host, Rick Loiza, and this is the podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. And today we bring you the story of a player that almost defies expectation. He was officially listed at 6'1", or 185 centimeters, but many of the other players of his era agreed that 6'1", was an exaggeration. Many thought he was closer to 5'11", or 180 centimeters. Yet, this player once led the NBA in scoring. He also led the NBA in assists. In the history of the NBA, there have only been five players who have ever led the league in scoring and led the league in assists at any point in their career. The first one to do it was Will Chamberlain. The other three players that have done it are all still in the league today. They are LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. The fifth player to do it is our subject for today. His name is Tiny Archibald. But unlike the other four players, he led the league in scoring and assists in the same season. Nobody else has done that before or since. It was the 1972-73 season. Now, I do not typically like describing a player by using the name of another player. For example, I do not like to say that a certain player was the Chamberlain of his era because I believe that every player is so unique and different, especially the star players. They each bring something different to the game. But if I am going to compare him directly to another player, it would be Allen Iverson. Tiny Archibald was the Iverson of his era. He was a very small guard with lightning speed. He flew around the court and nobody could catch him. He was just faster than everyone. But let me take you to the beginning of the story. He was born on September 2nd, 1948 in New York City. He was raised in the rough South Bronx area and he hardly played high school basketball because he had issues with his classes. To be more specific, he did not like going to classes or doing his homework. He would often skip school and go play basketball in the various courts around the city. Thankfully, he had a couple of mentors in his life that helped steer him back to high school and back to the high school basketball team. He was cut from the team as a sophomore, but he made it as a junior and a senior. Naturally, he excelled. He was an all-city selection and a standout player that any college would want to play for them. However, because his academic record was shaky, most colleges assumed that he would not be able to maintain eligibility and they figured that it was not worth the risk to recruit him. With few options for college, he went all the way to the West Coast and attended Arizona Western College, which was a two-year school, or junior college. After just one year there, he transferred to Texas Western University, which had just won the national championship two seasons earlier. The school is now known as the University of Texas at El Paso, but at the time, it was still Texas Western. He had three really outstanding seasons under Hall of Fame coach Don Haskins. Now, it was time for Tiny to head to the NBA. He was drafted with the second pick of the second round by the Cincinnati Royals in the 1970 NBA Draft. He was the 19th pick overall. At the time, the Cincinnati Royals were a very average team. 
but Tiny was a part of the starting five from the first day. Their leading scorer when Tiny joined the team was Tom Van Arsdale at 23 points per game, followed by Johnny Green, Norm Van Leer, and then Tiny Archibald who averaged 16 points per game, but the team missed the playoffs. After his first two seasons in Cincinnati, the team was struggling financially and thought that they could make more money with a relocation. So the team moved to Kansas City, Missouri and Omaha, Nebraska. They split their home games between each city. That's why they were known as the Kansas City Omaha Kings. The team figured that if they kept the name Royals, they might get confused with the Kansas City Royals baseball team, so that also was why they changed their name from the Royals to the Kings. It was in that first season in Kansas City and Omaha in 1972-73 when Tiny Archibald had that magical season. He led all scorers that year with 34 points per game, and he also led all passers with 11.4 assists per game. Again, nobody had done that before, and nobody has done it since. Those 11.5 assists per game equated to 23 additional points per game. Remember, there was no 3-point line yet, so every assist was for a 2-point basket. So between his scoring and his assists, he was responsible for 57 points per game. The team as a whole scored 107 points per game. That means that Tiny Archibald represented 53% of the offense. Well, it is one thing for a player like Will Chamberlain to be 53% of a team's offense because he was so physically overwhelming. But for a guy who was probably shorter than 6 feet to be 53% of an NBA team's offense, well that was something completely different. For his efforts, Tiny made the first of six All-Star games. He was one of the best players in the league and took his position among the greats. So you would think that Tiny Archibald won the MVP award that year, right? After all, he just led the league in both scoring and assists, something that had never been done before. Well, he did not. The MVP award was given to Dave Cowens, the Hall of Fame center from the Boston Celtics. He averaged 20 points and 16 rebounds per game. Now don't get me wrong, Cowens was a fantastic player. He was an undersized center that put his heart and soul into every game, and he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But did Cowens have a better year than Tiny in 1973? No. No, he didn't. I do not think that it is a stretch to say that Tiny Archibald should have been the 1973 MVP. The following year, Tiny had to fight through injuries and only played 35 games. His scoring and assist numbers had dropped significantly during that following season. But during the 1974-75 season, he bounced back and played all 82 games. His numbers bounced back too. Now, they did not bounce back to his peak numbers, but he still averaged 27 points per game and 7 assists per game. And he also made the All-Star game again. After another season with similar numbers, the Kings decided that they needed to take the opportunity to trade him and get as much value as they could get for him. And Tiny ended up on the New York Nets during their first season in the NBA after coming over from the ABA. But during that one season with the Nets, he suffered more injuries and did not even play half the season. He had torn his Achilles tendon, which meant not only not finishing that season, he missed the entire following season as well. After a year and a half away from the game, he returned to the NBA as a Boston Celtic. As a point guard for the Larry Bird Celtics, he was able to win his first and only title in 1981. There he was, a part of an ensemble cast that included Cedric Maxwell, Kevin McHale, and Robert Parrish. The entire starting five all averaged 10 points or more per game. It was as balanced and efficient of an offensive attack as he had ever been part of. After five years to the Celtics, he played one final season with the Milwaukee Bucks in 1983-84 as their starting point guard. 
but injuries caught up with him again as he barely played more than half the season. It is actually kind of sad that someone with so much ability was not able to consistently play at a high level due to his injuries. I mean, I know that injuries are part of the game and they happen to every athlete, but out of his 14 years in the NBA, Tiny Archibald had maybe seven high-quality seasons. I have said that same kind of thing in previous episodes, like the one on Bill Walton in episode 12, or Marvin Barnes way back in episode 3, or even Marie Stokes, who I covered in episode 50. All of those guys were fantastically gifted basketball players, but due to injuries and other factors, they were never able to play a full career. From a strict basketball perspective, that's a tragedy. But that is not the end of the Tiny Archibald story. And this is a good place to take a break, and we'll be right back with the rest of his story. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Welcome back, and let's continue with the story of Tiny Archibald. We just covered his professional career, and now he's heading into retirement. And once he did retire from the NBA, he finished his work on his bachelor's degree from Texas El Paso, and he went to work for the New York City school system as a teacher. The kid who used to skip class has gone on to earn a master's degree from Fordham University in school administration. He also spent time in and out of basketball as an assistant coach or head coach at the college and minor league professional levels. He coached teams like the New Jersey Jammers of the United States Basketball League. He coached the Long Beach Jam for a revived ABA. And he coaches alma mater, Texas El Paso, as an assistant for head coach Tim Hardaway, who also is an alumnus of that school. He even spent some time working for the NBA in their community relations department. Eventually, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1991 as a player. In 1996, he was named one of the 50 greatest players in NBA history. He averaged 19 points and 7 assists per game for his entire career. But that season of 72-73 was one of the greatest single-season performances in league history. And we have Tiny Archibald to thank for that. So. I think my job is done here in helping to keep Tiny Archibald's name in the discussion as one of the greatest players of all time. When he was healthy, he was as deadly as anyone else in his era. So that is our story for today. Join us next time when we share the story of the birth of the NBA as a league. Who brought the original group of owners together to embark on a new league for a sport that really was not that popular at the time? Well, that's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. Also, go ahead and give us a rating and a review, and that will help others to find this podcast more easily. And check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza, Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. Take care, and see you soon. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. 
This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday's Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.